Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Well, we've been in a series called the I Am Series, where we've been looking at the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself in the Gospel of John. I've mean, been enjoying this, this series of conversations and messages. It's just been so good every single week. So if you have your Bible today, I want to go ahead and dive in. And I want you to turn to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. And we'll be reading seven verses of Scripture, verse 1 through 7. Powerful set of Scripture that I believe God's going to illuminate some things in our life. But as you're turning there and finding your place, I want to give you a little context of what's happening. You know, context helps to under, help us to understand what's taking place in their day and what God is speaking to us in our day. But right now in, in John chapter 14, and in fact, 14 through 17, this set of scriptures are referred to as Jesus's farewell address to his disciples. He's giving them some final instructions. These chapters uh, are making up the last 48 hours of Jesus's life. And the disciples, to be honest with you, they're a little confused they're a little caught off guard. They didn't see this whole conversation coming because Jesus is telling them that he's going away. But as he's telling them he's going away, I mean, you know, God always speaks hope and faith and encouragement in our circumstances and situation. So he's speaking hope to them. He's bringing life to them. And this is what Jesus says, starting in verse seven, starting in verse one, going to verse seven. He says, let not your heart be troubled. It's interesting to me that Jesus is encouraging them and he's the one about to go to the cross. He's the one about to experience pain, but he's always thinking about other people. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. In the way you know. Verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus responds to him in verse 6 and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Final verse, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have, know, have known me and have known him. God is speaking, Jesus is speaking to the disciples, and he is giving them insight to who he is in this fourth installment, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Can somebody give Jesus praise in here that he is the way? Come on, don't pat a cake. He's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. I love it. How many people in here you enjoy going on vacation? Let me see you just wave at me. Make some noise. You like going on vacation. How many beach people in the house? Let me see the beach vote. All right, fantastic. How many people like going to the mountains? You like getting away, going, hiking, doing some mountains? How many just like getting away? You don't care. Just get me out of here. I'm gone. You know, I, I love going on vacation. I grew up, my family was a priority to our family, just making memories. I am all about it. I, I love taking my kids. I love being my wife. I love going with friends. I like going to see new places. I'm just, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. I believe it's a gift from God that allows us to be able to enjoy life, have a better amen at the 11.15, enjoy life and, and have fun in life. 
and, and I just enjoy going on vacation. But there's one thing that I've learned over the years is since I've started to drive on a 16, and especially when I got married, how many know your spouse illuminates some things in your life? Whether you want her to or want them to or not, they show you some things about yourself. This is one thing I've learned about myself is that regardless of where we're heading, if it's a new place, if it's a place that I've been to just a few times, you can take it to the bank that I'm going to take a wrong turn and get lost. Straight up, it's going to happen. I'm confessing to you. That's the first step to true healing is confession. <laughs> and I just take a wrong turn. I'll get off at the wrong exit. And it's not like we don't have Waze talking to us or Siri talking to us or MapQuest. Turn here. Turn here. Turn. Do I turn here? Like, it's just crazy. And my wife, she's, bless her heart, it's just really caused some life-giving conversations to happen in our vehicle as I've made the wrong turn. Anybody make wrong turns when you're driving? Please don't make me feel alone. All you other great explorers, Marco Polo out there, know the way every time. But I, 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 I get off the wrong exit. I'll, I'll miss my exit. I'll get off on an exit to get, get gasoline for the car. I'll start heading the wrong way. I, it's, it's embarrassing how bad it is. Somebody came up to me at the last service like, do you really get lost that much? I'm like, yes, ma'am, every single time. Like, you know how they tell you when you're going to your destination, it's five hours away. We just go ahead and tag on another 30 plus minutes. It's five and a half hours, it's six hours. How you feeling today, David? It's seven hours. You know, you just... I'm going to get lost. And recently, uh, we had an opportunity. We had been planning this for a long time. We went to Disney World. Any Disney World fans in the house? Okay, okay. I'm going to preach over here a little bit, a little excitement. <laughs> We're going to Disney World, and we haven't been to Disney World a lot. I haven't been to Orlando a lot, but it's, it's not that complicated getting there. You just pretty much head east for a while and then go south. But I, I was driving there, and our plan was is that we were going to stop in Tallahassee for the night, the land of the Seminoles. And, and here we are driving, and I, I'd done perfect, okay? I'd done perfect. Hadn't made a wrong turn. I'm just on my way. The Lord is leading me. He is my shepherd. I am going that direction. And we stop around 8 o'clock at night at one of the finest establishments known to man, Waffle House. Talk to me, somebody. <laughs> Waffle House. Back off of me if you don't like Waffle House. We stop there, we eat, we got the kids. We have three kids, eight, six, and four. My parents are with us, and we stop there, and we're eating. And, and, and then we get back in the car. It's around 9 o'clock at night. We have 45 minutes left. How many of you know, those of you who have kids, that last stretch? Oh, Lord, help you. You need some heaven in your car. That last stretch, this is amazing how challenging it can be. And, and we get in the car, and I'm actually on the phone with my friend Jesse. He's here. And I get on the interstate. I'm feeling great about life. And about 15 minutes passes is my wife actually turned off the Waze app that gives you direction because we were so close. Uh, all I had to do is just go east. And about after 15 minutes, she turned on the app and it says you are, uh, about 15, 20 minutes, she said, now we're over an hour plus away. And she says to me, she says, David, you are going the wrong way. And I said, Jesse, hold on. Bethany, I'm not going the wrong way. You are going the wrong way. Okay? She doesn't talk like that, but it makes for a better story. You're going the wrong way. I said, Betty, listen, I'm not going the wrong way. I'm heading towards Tallahassee. She says, then why is Waze, and at this point, why is Waze telling us that we are an hour and 20 minutes from our destination? 
But you know, that's some bad information right there. <laughs> Hour and 20 minutes. It was so bad because we were out in the middle of nowhere. It was another five miles to our next exit to be able to turn around. It was so life-giving in the car. Man, we were just more time with each other. Our kids were thrilled. They were high-fiving. Way to go, Dad. You're the best. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> and we finally made it. My parents actually were ahead of us. And they're like, where have you guys been? Don't worry about it. I went the wrong way again. But you know, this is true. I want you to capture this. Since Genesis chapter three, man took a wrong turn, spiritually speaking. And since that point, man has tried to navigate and find his way back to God. The Bible's very clear that sin entered the world when man disobeyed, when humankind, Adam and Eve disobeyed, represented all of us. It's not, oh man, what's wrong with them? It represented all of us. All of us would have made that choice. They disobeyed God. They were set on the wrong path, set on the wrong way. There was separation because of sin. Romans chapter three and five talk about it, that now sin has created a chasm. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And now we're trying to find our way back to God. But the Bible's also very clear that it's incapable for man and, and, and humanity to find their way back to God. And for this reason, the Father sent Jesus to show us the way back to himself. This is good news. Because it's good news to the rich person, it's good news to the poor person, it's good news to the person who is morally clean, it's good news to the person who is morally not clean. Because only through Christ, only that way, is what allows us to get back to the Father. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them things. He's saying, hey guys, I'm going away. But where I go, you can be. But look at verse four and five again. This is so good. Jesus says, and where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then Thomas steps up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going and how can we know the way? In other words, Jesus, we have no clue what you're talking about. You're always talking to us in parables. We'll ask you a question. You ask us a question back in return. We just want a straight answer. Where are you going? And we don't know the way to get there. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. You know, what do we know Thomas says? What? How would you like your greatest flaw in life to be attached to your identity? Hey, so good to see jealous Julie this morning. Man, oh, prideful Pat, glad you made service today. That'd be pretty bad. How about this? Hey, lustful Larry's here this morning, everybody. If your name's Larry, no offense to you. Alliteration, LL. There was a guy last service, Larry, he's like a giant. He was right here, I didn't even realize it, it felt bad. Larry is right in front of me. But Thomas, is, he gets a bad rap, but here's the thing with Thomas. Thomas asked the question that everybody in the group was wondering themselves. He says, Lord, we don't know the way. He said, we, he didn't say, I, Thomas, don't know the way. He said, we don't know the way. And the same thing is true about us. We do not know the way, but Jesus came to show us the way. It's powerful truth, powerful truth that we didn't deserve the way, that we had fallen short, that man, there is nothing good inside of me, there's nothing good inside of you, but his grace shows us the way. And when Jesus says this, when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, then when we hear that, we're like, that's, that's great, that's fantastic. Sometimes we miss the weight of which Jesus is speaking. When he says, I am, he's making reference to himself very boldly and emphatically that I am God. Big deal. John chapter eight, if you remember this text of scripture, 
Jesus is talking to the religious leaders, those who have it together, man. They, they live pretty well. They, they read the Bible. They know the Torah. Man, they, they know what's up. They, they do things. They come to church. They do all this stuff. And Jesus says to them, you need salvation. They say, oh, no, 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 no. You don't realize. We're descendants of Abraham. We don't need salvation. We all good. And Jesus says, no, you're not all good. Because Abraham might be your father, but before Abraham was, I am. And when they heard that, the Bible says that they bent down to pick up stones and kill him because they knew exactly what he was saying. He is saying, Abraham was great, but you are standing in front of one who is far greater than he. I am the creator of the universe. I am the way to salvation. I am the resurrection of life. I am. That's who Jesus is. And I love what C.S. Lewis says, because C.S. Lewis, man, he, he nails it right on the head. He says this about this concept and this idea that people can look at Jesus as a great moral teacher alone. Check out what he says. This is going to be on the screen. This is an apologetics guy. He, he defended the faith and talked about how salvation and Jesus were real. He says, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, talking about Jesus. He says, people say this, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept him, his claim to be God. He says, that is one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. This is profound. Because in life, everybody has to come to grips and come to realization, who is Jesus to you? Jesus doesn't have an identity complex. He knows exactly who he is. But salvation comes to show us who he really is. And C.S. Lewis goes on to say that there's only three options when it comes to Jesus. He is either a lunatic, that he is a madman who thought he was God, but he wasn't. Or he was, secondly, a liar. He was a man who knew he wasn't God, but proclaimed he was. Or finally, Jesus is Lord, that he is who he says he is. And he is the way to salvation. And we believe here that, man, Jesus is who he says he is. I want to give you just a few thoughts today. You can jot these down if you would like. But the first thought is this. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The first thing is this. Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way to the Father. You know, when Jesus talked about how he was going to prepare a place for them, the disciples would have automatically had pictures and imagery in their mind about the engagement process in ancient times. I want you to listen to this, this is powerful stuff. Is that in ancient times, their process of engagement and becoming married was very different than what we have today. What we have today, if you're interested in a girl, you ask a girl out, you go out for pizza, you go out and hang out, you spend time together, you spend more time together, you get to know her family, they get to know your family, you see if you like each other, if you like each other, then you continue to move down the path a little bit more. If you feel like it's love, then you continue to move down the path a little bit more. And then if you're a Christian, obviously, then you, you ask God, Lord, is this the right one for me? Do you have peace about it? And then you end up asking the individual to marry you and you get married, right? Is that it? Yeah, that's it, it was fast, but that was it. Um, for ancient times, it wasn't anything like this. Ancient times, when the son came of age and the father felt like the son was ready, the, the father would set out to find the son a wife. How many of you like your, your dad finding you a wife back in the day? I remember hearing this when I was younger and thinking, man, I would never want that. Now that I have kids, I would love this model. Now that I have a daughter, talk to me dads who have daughters. Man, I would love this. I will find her a good man. 
And this is my thing, man. I might not be able to pick him out now, but I sure enough will take him out, if you know what I'm talking about. In the name of the Lord. And the father goes out and he's looking for a wife for his son. And this is so cool. He, he goes and he finds somebody who feels like would be the right one for him. And he makes an arrangement with her father. And he, he actually pays a gift to purchase her to be his son's wife, bride. And also, this is cool, she actually becomes his full daughter. No, no thought of daughter-in-law. She is his daughter. The father goes back home. He tells his son, son, I found you a wife. You're officially engaged. The son would immediately start to work and build a house for him and his wife to be on his father's property. Y'all following me? This is so good. Once the house was ready and complete and the father deemed it ready, the son would go and get his bride. The bride did not know when the groom was coming, but there was a great sense of anticipation and expectation that he was coming. And the bride didn't know the way to the father's house, but the groom knew the way to the father's house that he had built. You see what's happening here? When they heard, I go and prepare a place for you, automatically in their mind, it went to this engagement process because the God who came, Jesus, not just a man, but who came in the form of man, but he is the great I am, that when he came, he came to introduce us, to reconnect us to the Father, show us the way to the Father, and he is coming again to take us to the Father. Can somebody make some noise in here for God's faithfulness? I love it because the first time Jesus came, he showed us to the Father spiritually, but the second time Jesus comes, he's going to take us to the Father physically. And let me tell you something. Heaven is going to blow your mind. I mean, I don't think about heaven enough. I should think about it more. But I, I'm telling you, heaven is going to be absolutely amazing. Recently, we went, when, I, when we went to Disney World, there's this ride in Disney World that's called the Avatar ride. And anybody ridden this ride? Okay, like two people. Great, this is going to go over well. It's the greatest ride ever. No one made a noise. It's the greatest ride, but it is this virtual reality ride. Um, I, I heard all about it. Doug Musso, y'all love Doug Musso who sings, and he do a great job. He loves Disney World. If he's not here, just, just know he's in Disney World most likely. He goes all the time. But, but Doug told me, hey, it's Avatar ride, man. It is, it is amazing. And so he built it up really big. And so we go, and, and, and people are waiting. Listen to this. This is crazy. Waiting four hours to get on this ride. I mean, you know, that's some serious... You know, you, you with it. Waited four hours to get on this ride. We have a fast pass that helps you get on the ride really quick. Thank God for the fast pass. We get on the ride quick, and man, we get on this thing. You have these glasses that you're wearing. My son was right there with me. He's, he's, he's eight years old. We're right there. My dad was there, and my other son, Judah, was there. My wife was there. And we get on this ride. And I, I know this sounds super cheesy. I get it. But if, you, if you've been on this thing, you know what I'm talking about, and you haven't. So this is not going real well. But, but it's, it is like, it's insane. Like, it's mind-blowing. You're on this creature. Uh, this is sounding weirder and weirder long ago. You're on this creature called a banshee, and it's got wings, and you're flying. But here's the thing. You feel like you're flying. And I've always wanted to feel like I'm flying. You know what I'm saying? I, like, what superpower would you want? I want to be able to fly. I've always said it. And so here I am, 
and I'm on this creature and flying, and it looks like you're in this beautiful place. There's water, you're going everywhere. I don't want to spoil it for you, but it's just intense, man. And the whole time, I turn into an eight-year-old. I'm more excited than my son is. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I'm just going crazy, crazy. I think, this is amazing. The, the ride ends, the ride ends. I started the clap. You know what I'm saying when you go to a movie? For real. I started go. Started the clap. Everybody starts clapping. I get off that ride, and this is what I thought about. This is what I thought. If God has given mankind the ability, the creativity, the imagination to create something that awesome, and the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no thought has entered the heart of mankind of what God is preparing for his people, what in the world is heaven going to be like? Can somebody make some noise for Jesus in here? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. Man, I love you so much that I've come to show you the way. And, and I know it's not real popular. I know people get upset, but here's the thing. There's two things. First of all, as a church, we love all people. Have a better amen. We love all people. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you have, what you don't have, how righteous you are, how unrighteous you are. If you spent last night somewhere you shouldn't spend and you spent last night somewhere really good. We love everybody. God loves everybody, but the Bible is so clear. There is only one way to the Father. There's not multiple choice. There's not A, B, C, D, and E. If you believe this spirituality, if you believe this religion, it doesn't say any of that. He says, if you want to know the Father, the way to the Father, it is only through the Son. Jesus is called the bride of Christ. The church is called his bride. And one day he is coming back again to take us home. Can somebody clap their hands in here this morning? You know, that's why we are passionate about going to Denham Springs and starting a campus there. There's people in Denham who don't know Jesus. Are there other good churches? Absolutely. But man, light brings darkness, pushes it back and draws people to Jesus. So we, we go to Denham Springs. That's why we have Easter service at LSU. Man, not just great sports are played there and great institution there, but people need Jesus there. That's why we come and we serve and we give and we're faithful because people need to see the way that you and I have encountered. Man, we love them. We love, we don't judge people. Oh, I can't believe that. I can't believe they're in church. We, oh man, I'm glad you're here. Man, we love seeing people. We love reaching out to people because we once were reached out to ourselves. Yet by the grace of God, there go I. If Jesus has saved me from much, he can save other people from much. If Jesus bought me with a price, he can buy other people with a price. There's only one way, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus' return is as certain as his departure. The second thought is this, is that Jesus is the truth of the Father. Let me move through this quickly, but Jesus is the truth of the Father. Verse seven says, if you had known me, Jesus saying, you have known my Father also. And from now on, you have known him and you have seen him. Verse nine, he who has seen me has seen the Father. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, you wanna know what the Father looks like, look at me. If you wanna know what the Father is like, I'm the reflection of the Father. Corinthians tells us this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus came. And sometimes our theology gets all twisted and all turned around, and we like Jesus. Man, Jesus was cool, he was nice, he's loving, he's compassionate, he's gracious, he forgives us, man, he, he, he cares about us, and sometimes we look at the Father as if he is the opposite of Jesus, that he's kind of the, the harsh part of the Trinity, 
No, God, he, he's, he's, the father, he's just angry. He's just waiting for me to mess up. Just waiting for me to do something wrong. That's an inaccurate depiction of who the father is. And you say, why is that important? This is why it's important. Because whatever you believe about God is how you will live for him and how you will worship him and how you'll follow him. So if we see the Father and see him accurately because Jesus is a reflection of him, they don't compete. They don't uh, contradict each other. They complete each other. They complement each other. The Holy Spirit, same thing. If you want to know what the Father looks like, look at the Son. Jesus is full of love. The Father is full of love. Jesus is full of mercy and grace and compassion. The Father is full of mercy, grace, and compassion. Whatever you see in Jesus is what you find in the Father. Jesus, you have seen me. You have also seen him. You ever grew up in, maybe in your own home or around friends that you knew and there was like one parent that was like super lenient and cool and nice and the other parent was super strict. Any strict parents? I'm the strict parent in our home. Any strict parents? A lot of people aren't strict in here. <laughs> do whatever you want to do. Have fun. <laughs> and and you, you've heard this before, but you, you go to the one that's going to give you what you want. You know, I want to go to this party. Hey, Dad, can I go to this party? Sure, son. And then Mom finds out later, what in the world have you done? <laughs> How many of you as parents, you've had that conversation before? The father and the son have never had a conversation where the, the father said, Jesus, <laughs> sit down for a moment. What were you thinking? You saw David. That was your plan with David? Really? You thought David would be good at that? Really? They never had that conversation because they're always on the same page. There's never a sense of didn't see that coming because they're always pointing us in the same direction. They are the same. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three persons, one God, the same. They have different roles and different functions within the Godhead, but the same God that we serve. That's good stuff. Another thing about the truth of God is that God speaks truth and sends truth to set you free to set me free. And God, sometimes we like receiving truth about his nature that makes us feel good, which I'm all for, that God is love, that he's gracious and compassionate, all those things that we just went through, and we like that. But then when we talk about that God is just, that God is holy, that God is righteous, that, we, that humanity will be held accountable for their sins if they don't allow Jesus to take their place. And sometimes we don't like that. Sometimes we don't like, oh man, this concept of that Jesus is the only way, that's so dated. If it's truth, it's truth. And if God is God, I cannot determine what it is I want him to be like and what I don't want him to be like. I don't have the authority, nor do I have the luxury to open up my Bible and say, Lord, I like this about you. But you know, this paragraph here where you talk about me abstaining from things, me living different, me talking to people different, me forgiving people, me not being jealous, me not being consumed with me, I don't really like that. I wanna rip that out of the Bible. There is no authority that I have or luxury I have to do so. It is either truth or it's not. And I believe with all my heart that it is truth. And Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He says, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Jesus' truth will set 
you free. It's not always comfortable. It's not always convenient. It doesn't always feel absolutely amazing. But I want to tell you, my friend, when it hits you, it hits you. When conviction comes on your life and you understand that it is coded, that it is wrapped in love and mercy and grace, that he wants the best for you, not the worst for you. He wants to help you, not to hurt you. You say, Jesus, I want more of you because the more I follow in your footsteps, the more I experience who you are. I like this service better than the last service. Don't tell them. Y'all have helped me a little bit more than they did. They just stared at me. He's the truth. Final thing is this, and we'll close. Jesus gives us the life of the Father. Oh, man, that we may walk in life. I want everybody to look at me for a moment. I am so thankful that one day we will be in his presence forever and there'll be no more pain. That there'll be no more temptation and suffering and sorrow and loss and heartache and sickness and all those things that we could go on and on about. But I'm also extremely thankful that Jesus came to show us the way to the Father, that he's the truth of the Father, and also that he gives us the life of the Father now. I felt something break. When I said that, something broke. Now. That you don't have to wait for life later. You say, you don't know my circumstance and situation. You're right, I do not. But I've walked through things. You walk through things. We all walk through things. We lose people we love. We suffer. We get sick. We have pain. We have heartache. But the great thing about the life of Christ, that even when we're walking through those difficulties, his presence can be real. His life can be abundant and overflowing that his joy doesn't have to be something that I'm gonna experience one day. One day I'll have peace. No, that's not what the Bible says. He says, I can give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Doesn't even make sense. Your kid's going crazy. Your marriage having issues, but somehow you've got life inside of you. Because the same spirit that rose Christ from the grave lives inside of you. Life. Enough of this where the enemy is having his way and putting shackles and chains and darkness all around us. He came to set the captive free, to break chains of darkness, to break addiction, to break chaos. Man, that I can walk in freedom. It's hard to get a lot done if you're all chained up. Heaven will be pain-free, but life should be purpose-filled. And let me tell you something, church. God wants you to walk in life now. He wants you to have wholeness now. He wants you to have satisfaction and contentment now, joy now, peace now, excitement now, passion now, life fun now. That is the Jesus that we serve. Charles Spurgeon, who I just love, he's called referred to as the preacher of preachers. He said this, a little bit of faith will get your soul to heaven. But great faith will bring heaven to your soul. Has anybody experienced the life of Jesus in this place before? Come on, can we give him a great hand clap of praise in this place? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.